Hello, everybody, and welcome to the My Minds podcast, where we demystify mental health and make sharing mainstream within the fitness and exercise community. I really hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to what will be the third interview of the My Minds interviews. Today, I am joined with Jason. Hi, Jason. How are you? How's it going, George? Good, man. I'm good. Um, thank you for being a part of these interviews. Um, so we'll kind of get into more about what Jason does later on in the interview, but first off, Jason, how about you just kind of introduce yourself and what you do to the people watching? Yeah, uh, bit of a generalist, so I, I couldn't really put a pin on what I do. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of involved in boutique fitness businesses, sports businesses. Um, I guess I'm a bit of a boutique fitness consultant, if you want to coin me that. Uh, I'm a former professional footballer, uh, as well. I played for Man United and Aston Villa coming through the academy systems there. Um, unfortunately, a week before my 18th birthday, I did have a really bad injury, which kind of defined the direction of my career. And then I ended up going to the United States on a soccer scholarship. So I went to New York, Long Island University. I spent five years there. Uh, and then after that wonderful five years, I went to work in New York City for a year for a company called Barry Bootcamp. Uh, and that's really where my career developed in the boutique fitness industry. I'm also uh, a co-founder of something called My Football Mind, and we're trying to build the next generation of resilient footballers. Um, so that's, that's, I think, where we have our similarities and, and what this conversation is going to be mostly about. Um, and, and we both feel very passionate about kind of helping people develop their mental attributes through sport. Mm. Yes, definitely. I, I didn't know you'd, um, I didn't realize you'd worked in New York. That's really cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, so the, the kind of how we got to know each other was through Ed Bowers. Um, yeah. And uh, if you guys don't know about Ed, definitely check out his podcast. Um, I forget his name right now. What's it called again? The Education to Sport. Education to Sport. Yeah. That's the one. But yeah, definitely check out Ed Bowers' podcast, Education to Sport. Um, so yeah, we kind of got in touch through Ed and well, he got me in touch with you and, um, we got speaking about my football mind, which is kind of this, this new startup you've been running. So you kind of introduced it there a little bit, talking about the fact you're working with footballers, but could you go into a little bit more detail about kind of the mission of my football mind, I guess? Well, the vision is that we're going to help create the next, uh, generation of resilient footballers. So that's what we'd like to do. Uh, now, obviously, that's easier said than done, and it's something people have tried to do already. Um, so we realize kind of there's a lot of work to be done. Right now, we're more kind of a signpost. So we're connecting um, our community with useful resources that are currently out there already. Um, as you rightly just kind of said there, we are more or less a bit of a startup. So we're, we are flexible in the sense that we don't have a defined direction, which is helpful. Um, like we're we're not exactly the the resource for the parents, uh, specifically the players or agents or anything like that. So we're we kind of encapsulate the whole um, soccer sphere, if you like. Um, but obviously, with that focus on building better mental health, um, mm. we all uh, the three co-founders all have different levels of experience with football, um, but we we all have experience with mental health. So obviously myself coming through the academy systems and, and suffering this bad injury, um, that's where my story comes in. I did 
have a pretty rough time, obviously, as you can imagine, um, being on the cusp of realising that professional dream, only to have it kind of blown up in and, and left in tatters when I saw my ACL, MCL, uh, and both medial and lateral menisci. So that's um, that's where I come into it. We have Cezanne as well, uh, whose son actually just signed scholarship forms with Chelsea. So he's going into their um, under-18s this year. Uh, we'll have to see what happens with coronavirus and all that, of course, but that's that's the plan. Um, so he's doing very well. Uh, Suzanne's also uh, an RTT therapist, so she's got a wealth of knowledge in, in mental health. Uh, and last but not least, we've got Rosie um, as well, who has been working with charities, I think the majority of her career, uh, and she has another charity called Ball Boys, which is um, kind of promoting um, interest and, and kind of uh, information about um, testicular cancer and things like that and, and getting guys to check themselves. That's really cool. So, yes, you've kind of, you, you cover, the three of you cover a lot of different areas that, can, yeah. that you can definitely draw on and, and create this. Yeah, I, li- I like that you're saying, because I'm, I'm kind of similar with my minds where, um, I have kind of a, a specific group, target group in mind, but I'm, I, I like not to be restricted to it, at least at the start, like now, um, while I'm trying to find where I'm specifically going with it. I have, we, have, we both yeah. have the rough idea with our, with our ideas, but yeah. we're leaving it open to kind of move into something, whatever comes up. Like if something does happen to come up that seems, oh, that's, that can be our target, then we will. Um, yeah, yeah. So you said how obviously your experience is going through the football academy kind of area mm. and having an injury and having struggles with mental health due to that. Can you, from your experience or from like people that you know as well, you can bring them in. Can you give us an insight into kind of what the issues are in the football academy process that, that needs this attention and, and why and kind of how that affects you and why that needs attention? Uh. I would say to me, it was a real pressure cooker. I felt a lot of um, pressure internally, maybe not so much externally, although of course there is that pressure from the coaches that you need to perform, uh, maybe um, unconscious pressure from your parents and your peers as well, uh, then you need to perform again. But for me, it was all, all mostly internal, I think. Uh, I often find it quite hard to, to get out my mind. Um, and I'm quite demanding with myself. I think that's one of the biggest, um, I don't know if it's a concern, because it can be can be useful as well. Obviously, it does uh, push you on to achieve great things, but it's, it's when you kind of go overboard that it becomes really detrimental to your mental health. So for me, that's one of the issues I think that needs tackling. Um, we talked as well, you and I, earlier about comparing yourself to others. Um, I said it's it's pretty much an inescapable truth of the game that you are going to compare yourself to others because that's really how you gauge your level uh, and where you're at. The coaches are comparing you to the other boys in the in the academy. Um, who should we give a deal to? Obviously, coming through the academy, it's it's known that not every boy in the in the uh, team is going to get a scholarship contract. I'd say it's probably never ever happened that every boy in the team has got a scholarship contract. It's usually about three or four that make that transition from 16 to 18 and, and become scholars. Um, so again, you're comparing yourself to your peers there and you need to make sure that you're performing 
better than them um, mm. to, to stand a chance of getting a contract. So football is obviously defined as a team sport, but in that circumstance, you could actually argue that it's very individual because mm. you know that you're not all going to make it together. Um, yeah, until, it's, until, it's you really, reach, until you reach that, that top level, you, like, you, yeah, are, exactly. you are all fighting for, to get yeah. to that top level, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Even there, you're fighting for the contract, aren't you? If, mm. uh, if I'm against another right winger, I better make sure that I'm getting more goals and assists because come the end of the season, if we're both coming to the end of our deal, then who's going to get the next one? Yeah, that's true. That's true. I think, um, I think our, our minds just in, in general... Because t- I've spoken quite recently, and obviously we had you do kind of a, a guest interview or guest video on on our Instagram um, about comparing ourselves to others. And I think co- our minds work on comparisons, like you know, just from like back right. when we were cavemen, Neanderthals, we needed to compare to others to be able to understand what's right. the ne- what's the best step to take next. Like you know, this this form of right. hunting didn't work for this person, so I need to do it differently. Mm-hmm. Or this person's, you know getting more crops so i need to copy what they're doing right. you know so our minds work that way we're designed that way i think and that's that's why it can be useful like you're saying in sport and just and in education you know comparing seeing a peer being more successful in their grades may urge you to you know try and mimic what they're doing or work a bit harder the issue is when you become so entranced in that and kind of you know we talk about the definitions of ourselves and my minds and you know you when you define yourself by this you know want to be better than other people or to you know to mm. be kind of the i guess the alpha or you know the top of that hierarchy yeah, that, yeah. that's where the issue comes in when when you're yeah. only that i think anyway yeah yeah exactly i mean it, it is a bit cliche but there's plenty of people that will say the only person you should be trying to beat is the person you were yesterday. Mm. Um, and I'm not really one for cliches like that because I, I do feel a bit cheesy and a bit scripted. Um, but there are some truths in them that you can take away. Um, so, yeah, obviously, it, it's, again, that tipping point when it, it goes overboard and you're, you're relentlessly focused on trying to beat your peers. It's just not helpful or conducive to, a one, a good team atmosphere or, two, your mental health. Mm. Um, because if you're not achieving what they, what they are, and you're just getting down, then what's the point? You know, you should be trying to, like, a, like the uh, cheesy quote says, you should be trying to improve yourself. Mm. Um, there's there's small victories that you can do there every single day, and even though you might not be able to get a victory over your peer, you you can improve on your results from the previous day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. I think because you obviously work in, in fitness now as well, or you know, you, you say you kind of yeah. work in all sorts of areas. Um, yeah, yeah. I think it's it's also kind of conducive to fitness, isn't it? You comparing yourself to others is common. Absolutely. Yeah, I was I was actually thinking about it the other day, and it's strange how the two industries I've worked in are probably the most um, centered around comparing yourself to others. Mm. Like obviously, in the fitness industry, it's it's ridiculously competitive. Um, throughout you know from mm. from the clients that come to the classes from the trainers through to the fitness models through to the competitors everyone's competing and comparing themselves to each other um and yeah i think the fitness industry is probably the industry where it's most prevalent mm. um that people actually uh, engage in that i think um coming from like a nutrition background as well i think that 
because supplements are often pushed as a way to improve the way you look or the way you know you function or and stuff and and when you when you really understand the way supplements work nine nine times out of ten you really don't need them they're the reason everyone takes them is because they're shown as you know you're gonna you you're gonna look better compared to this person now um and that's where the success comes from them often um yeah i think i think the the fitness industry is and i um you tell me if you disagree but i think the the reason it it acts that way and the reason there is all this comparison same in sport is that a lot of it is is deeply rooted in um social media and you know nowadays fitness is you know i think if you mention fitness you the, maybe the first thing you would think was a gym but the second thing you would think would be a fitness model or like a fitness instagram right. influencer you wouldn't yeah, yeah. You know, there's there's not kind of all the other aspects of fitness that comes into mind it's, it's immediately social media um yeah and social media is the breeding ground of comparisons isn't it you know we we pick mm-hmm. our our best moments and yeah. post them for people exactly. to see. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're exactly right. I think um marketing in general and, and particularly in the fitness industry, the emotion behind it is it's to kind of make the person feel like they're not good enough. Mm. Um it, it kind of plays that mental trick on them to say, I need this supplement or I need this protein powder to look like this guy mm. or this girl. It really plays on that fear of of not being good enough. Mm, definitely. So um kind of going back to the um kind of sporting academy i know you were in a football academy but i think i think i think this is probably commonplace in in most sporting kind of academies and and up as we were talking about even if you're in the top level you're still competing with the the guys after your contract um so do you have any advice for people listening who work with athletes it could be young athletes or, or older athletes but do you have any advice for the coaches or the staff and um, maybe, you know, things that they need to educate themselves around or ways to act? I think it's hard to make um, kind of a blanket recommendation on this because everyone's different. We're all individuals and we have different personalities. So if I was to make a recommendation, it would be to get to know the person that you're dealing with. Um, not intimately, but get to know what makes them tick. Get, get to know what makes them feel down, what makes them feel happy, uh, and kind of devise a plan around that. Um, I think for me particularly, and I've translated this from my from on the field to off the field, I always need to see progress. And then when I don't see progress, that's when I do get down and I can get in a bit of a rut. Um, and I think everyone in life does want to feel like they're progressing, uh, whether it's in their career, um, socially financially you know everyone wants to feel like they're getting ahead um and when they do feel that that's when we feel most motivated Mm. Uh, so i would say if you can figure out what makes someone tick what makes them feel like they're progressing what makes them feel like they have a purpose um then that's probably the best way to go about it Mm. so so you would say yeah that your purpose was to to progress and that probably like you say it is probably um I think that's quite common in, in everyone. I think the the fact that we all as people are are you know reading or you know, doing some kind of education or work like working or you know everything we do is because we feel that currently the world isn't optimal. Like where we're at isn't optimal, and we need to do this thing. Like the often the motivation we do things is because we feel like right now isn't what we need. And we want something more, you know, whether it's more money or more likes or more followers or, or, you know, or to, you know, 
help people in the football academy like you're saying you know the re the reason yeah. you're motivated to do that is because you feel like what it currently is isn't correct um yeah and that's kind of at least i feel like that's maybe what the fi- the fitness industry is feeding off of um in social media is that you know making people feel um that where they currently are is is incorrect or isn't is it would you would you agree with that yeah i don't yeah i I would agree i would say that's not useful um in in either fitness or in football because obviously like i mentioned before uh you can get in a bit of a negative spiral if you aren't hitting uh the heights that maybe your peers or or the people you look up to are uh i remember uh, wayne rooney's kind of a similar age to me he's obviously six maybe seven years older um but when i was in the as it was then center of excellence system at Tranmere rovers i remember seeing wayne rooney score that wonder goal against arsenal as a 16 year old and i kind of had it ingrained in my mind back then if i'm not doing the same by the time i'm 16 i've failed Mm. I, I mean that's that's a, a very high bar to aim for obviously uh wayne rooney's gone on to achieve amazing things one of england's greatest ever players but that was the sentiment that I felt back then, even as an 11-year-old. Mm. So you can imagine kind of coming throughout the academy system. As I was kind of approaching that age, 16 years old, and I wasn't anywhere near really what, what Wayne Rooney was capable of because I either hadn't developed or, or I wasn't as good as Wayne Rooney. That's, that's absolutely fine as well. Like I said, he's one of England's greatest ever players. Um, but yeah, I was, I was miles off and that that really didn't sit right with me and even even when I had my injury um so it was that kind of that really crucial age where you make the transition from scholar to professional um and I'd already had this kind of lingering disappointment that I'd not made it by 16 I'd not played a first team game um I then had to sit out a year from 18 to 19 because of the extent of the injury and all throughout that year, the only thing that was on my mind was I need to get back as soon as possible so I can achieve this goal of becoming a professional footballer. Um, but because the injury was so violent and visceral, I should have taken my time. Mm. They quoted me 24 months out of the game uh, because it was so bad. Um, they actually said I may never be able to walk unassisted again, so without crutches or, or without a brace or something. Um, but I kind of pushed all that aside and, and the only focus I had in my mind was was making it and getting back into the first team. Now that was an unrealistic goal. Obviously I should have taken my time and literally learned to walk again before I could run. Um and, and I did pay the repercussions for that. My body wasn't ready by the time I came back. Instead of twenty four months, uh I came back in eight, which is which is pretty good going, but um it, I paid the price. I, I had a lot of subsequent injuries. I had another knee operation, um, a hip operation as well I've had after that. And my body, lower body at least, is a bit of a mess um, mm. because I'm, I mean, patience isn't one of my virtues. It's not a virtue of uh, an academy footballer because, like I say, they feel this intense pressure that they need to make it at least before 20 years old or else they kind of... I think there's an unwritten understanding um, that if you've not made it by 20 you're probably not going to be a top level professional mm. um whereas we've seen examples 
to say that that's not the case. You know, you look at Jamie Vardy. Yeah, that was the first one that came to my mind when you said that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Jamie Vardy, Ian Wright, if you go back um, a couple of decades, there's stories that come out the players who've kind of bumbled around the lower leagues until the 22, 24, uh, and then they go on to achieve great things. Jamie Vardy's on track to be the Premier League top scorer this year. He's won the Premier League with Leicester. So he's not done so bad, has he? <laughs> um, but and and again, I th- I think that kind of there's, there's kind of a clue there because I think Jamie Vardy probably doesn't feel that pressure. If you look at him, he's a bit of a jack the lad, and and he kind of throws caution to the wind, and um, it probably didn't phase him that he wasn't a top level professional by the time he was 22. He probably still had it in his mind, right? I'm just gonna crack on in in the conference or wherever he was at the time, do as well as I can here, and see where this takes me. Yeah, and that, that can be that can be seen in all walks of life as well. It's the same in like business yeah. and things, isn't it? You know, the yeah, yeah. they always say you you know you have you have all these fa- it's the failures that make you. There's a there's a Michael Jordan quote. I can't remember exactly what it is, but it's like, yeah, the reason I can make so many shots is because I missed fifty thousand or something something like that. Right. I'm butchering it, yeah. but that's it, that's basically the idea, and it's the same in yeah. it's the, and I I like like kind of what you were saying about Wayne Rooney made me think that it's. The, the people that do are the most successful obviously get the most kind of showing on TV and in media and in everything. So the, the kind of the dream people, you know, like Messi and, and Rooney and, you know, these people who come up from when they're very young and are just amazing, they're, they're given the most limelight. They're the loudest. They're, they're the ones yeah. that, that the academy players such as yourself see and want, and want to be. Yeah. So it's mm-hmm. easy to see, you know, if you're comparing yourself to that, it's easy to compare yourself to that person because why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you want to be yeah. Wayne Rooney? And why right. wouldn't you want to be Lionel Messi? But it's, that's, that's a, as you're saying, is something that can cause these issues. And, you know, because you're comparing yourself to a, a one in a billion person. Um, right. And it's almost yeah. impossible to achieve what these people achieve yeah i mean the odds are already stacked against you to become a professional footballer mm. um whichever level you make it you know to to become a premier league footballer uh the statistic is 0.012 percent of people that enter the academy system now that's really slim picking so if you want to be lionel messi you can imagine what the stats going to be for that you know like you said he's the one in a billion probably the greatest player ever so um, just think of the amount of people around the world who do want to be a footballer. He's a mercurial talent, the likes of which we've never seen, I don't think, or or won't see again for quite a while. Um, so yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. You, you need to set realistic ambitions, I think. Um, if you'd have... Uh, I always point to Gary Neville, and I feel like I, I give him not a bit of stick, it's more credit that I give him. You know, I don't think he was blessed with football inability. Um, he knew his limitations, but look what he achieved. He was Man United captain for 10 years, uh, won the Champions League, played for England, won the Premier League numerous times. Uh, it, it just goes to show, you know, he, he relentlessly worked on improving his game and building his mindset, even though he might have been lacking the skill that Lionel Messi or, or whichever other Cafu you know, he mm. he wasn't as naturally gifted as Cafu, but he had that work ethic, that mentality, um, and and he went on and had an unbelievable career in the game. And I ima- I imagine he faced a lot of kind of 
um, failures and, and di- being someone who didn't have this natural ability, um, mm. you know, fa- he, he faced these things and, and still kind of kept working. Um, yeah. Which kind of leads me on to my, my next question. And I think, I think we've touched on it. You've touched on it briefly with, by mentioning Jamie Vardy and, and just mentioning then Gary Neville. Do you have, no, no, not necessarily advice, but do you think there's something um, that people who are currently in an academy system or in a professional system, maybe listening to this, do you have advice for them on, you know, maybe as, as my football mind or, or you know, just as Jason Lampkin, like um, what, kind of men- what kind of mentality you need to be successful in, you know, in be- being professional, but also in, in looking after yourself uh, in, in terms of mental health? Yeah, the best advice I could give um, is is what we've kind of touched upon already, uh, in the sense that you you shouldn't be comparing yourself to others and and kind of give yourself the time to develop uh, and fulfil your potential. Um, I understand, and as I said before, patience is not a virtue that many of us have, especially as an academy footballer, because you you feel that pressure to succeed early on. Um, and you do want to be the next Lionel Messi, that mercurial talent that comes through at 16 um, and, and goes straight into the first team. Uh, the advice I wish I'd listened to um, growing up, um, and it's, I think it's, it's advice that quite a lot of people should have taken on board, uh, that, that really, the, you know, you, you can't, you, you have to set those realistic goals for yourself. Um, and it got to a point for me where when I wasn't achieving these goals, I would kind of punish myself for not doing it. So my advice would be, you know, it's, it's not a penance if you don't achieve what, what you want to achieve. And I think this was actually pushed from the coaches at the time at Man U because if we'd lost the game, they'd, they'd actually want to see us really disappointed because they felt like if we weren't, we weren't taking it seriously enough. Um, but at that age, football should just be fun. Um, and, and we were kind of trained to have that mindset where if I don't succeed, I should be sad. Mm. Um, and I, I, I don't think that really helps our mental uh, health at all. Because, mm. yes, we might have lost the game, but what, what did it affect? You know, it wasn't life and death. We weren't playing for points. We weren't going to get relegated. The academy system um, is, is just basically friendly games. You, you do play in an organized league essentially um, with, with schedule, but it, it's, it's all for fun. Mm. Um, but I remember after games, if we were seen to be laughing and we'd lost, we get a bit of a telling off. Uh, mm. And I think I still carry that with me now. Like I'd, it, it, that mentality and the emotions tied to defeat or failure, I feel like I should put on this portrayal or this show show everyone look how disappointed I am that I didn't get it um but it just eats me up inside yeah uh, and I, I don't think it's um productive at all mm. I because yeah because I, I imagine I imagine it's not just um Manchester United at the time obviously um I think it's just I think it's just it's almost built into football like I, I was never a football player I was always a rugby guy um but I think just in football, when I did play football and I was awful at it, I think it is just built into it. There's so much passion in football, isn't there? It is just such a passionate mm. sport that yeah. 
you should you should be crying and like laughing and there should there should right. be these that it's almost like a it has to be binary you have to be like if you win you're ecstatic and if you draw or lose then you're like miserable yeah. you can't yeah and those people are praised like the the people and again it's like you know it's extremes in life always are the loudest and are the you know the you know the yeah. if you same in like political stuff you know ex, like extremists are the ones that get the most media and the most traction yeah. don't they um mm-hmm. it's the same in sport if you're very passionate about scoring a goal everyone sees that celebration for the next you yeah, know it's like yeah. the, the, the man city goal that won them the league everyone everyone yeah. if you're a football fan you know that like right. aguero moment don't yeah, you yeah. <laughs> because yeah. because that celebration was so huge it's yeah. it's shown isn't it it's it's um it's mass produced everywhere even yeah. to this day um and i think that yeah that's kind of um, I forget the original point now, <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of, I say, yeah, that's kind of pushed onto us as, as young yeah. sportsmen, that that is a way to be. And as you're saying, yeah. it can, it can affect you in later life. Like you're saying, you need, you feel, still feel that need to be yeah, yeah. passionate in whatever response you have. Um, but, well, it's, it's still kind of enforced. And you mentioned this point earlier as well, like social media. Mm. Um, you said the loudest voices get the most attention and that's exactly right. You know, the, the social media platforms actually have algorithms built into them that seeks out negative emotion because that's what we react to strongest. Mm. So when we see something we don't like, we're more likely to engage. And that's obviously good for them because they get more figures, more views. Um, so they're actually filtering stuff into your feed that makes you react in that volatile way. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's, it's being enforced all around us. It's inescapable, really. Mm. yeah so i think so social media is such a um difficult thing to because you see it seems there's no kind of there's no correct at least not that i've seen there's no correct way to treat social media um right you know, it seems no matter no matter which way you attempt there's a lot of people out there trying to be positive in social media and trying to make a, an influence but it it seems yeah it seems a very um difficult thing to to navigate and to find the people yeah. who are who are giving the right information and you know mm-hmm. um it is just a difficult thing and it's actually something that i'm um i'm not going to say during this interview but there's something that my minds are working on to help people with that in the future and we'll talk i'll tell you about it after the recording but um yeah that should hopefully help people with that um mm-hmm. but yeah i'm kind of i'm kind of conscious of time so i'm gonna i'm gonna end it here can you for the people listening, tell people where they can find you and my football mind and yes, yeah, so any websites or social media tags. Yep, perfect. So they can find me obviously on social media as well, JS Lampkin on Instagram. If you want to connect, send me any questions or or just have a chat, I'm more than happy to do that. Uh my football mind, uh at my football mind on Instagram as well, and we'd love to hear from you as well. Um if you want to go onto the the website to my football mind, literally just type that in and that will pop up on you search for, uh, and yeah, you can find me on, on any platform, really LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, whatever you want. Let's connect and, and let's have a chat. Cool. Um, I will be putting the tags below everything where I post these clips or the whole interviews. Cool. Um, so people can see them down there and yeah, thank you, Jason. Cheers, George. Thank you, mate. Cool. Bye everyone. <laughs>